Welcome, everyone, back to the St. Paul's Hospital Morning Report podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the St. Paul's Hospital Foundation. I'm Stefan Voye, sitting in the host chair today, and I'm joined by Dr. Barry Casson. Hey, Barry. Hey, guys. Hey, Nikki. Also joined by Dr. Danny Ennis. How are you, Danny? I'm pretty good. Thanks, Steph. And uh, joined, as always, by Nikki Thorpe, our excellent producer extraordinaire. I'm sure many of you have been wondering what Nikki sounds like, and on this episode, you're going to hear it. Um, hey, guys. It's a little weird. I'm not going to lie. It's I haven't edited this yet, so... We'll, we'll see how it goes. I might just take myself out. No. <laughs> you can't leave. You're stuck in it now. Stuck forever. So we're going to do something a little bit different for this episode. We've been talking a little bit about our sort of podcasting journey, and now we're into multiple seasons. And honestly, I don't think anyone here assumed that we would ever have a podcast for even this long. And um, I thought we would spend a little, little bit of time sort of introducing ourselves to you, like because we're actual people with relationships with one another. And also, uh, we've we've gotten some listener correspondence over the last few months, and we're going to sort of review that. So we'll cover that at the very end. So, you know, I have some questions for the group, and I was just going to informally go over these, and then we'll uh, we'll kind of see where the conversation goes. How does that sound? Perfect. Sounds great. Okay. So, I think maybe we'll each have a little bit different answer to this, but could we just describe to people how we know each other? Yeah. Barry, you want to kick that off? Well, I think I'd like to hear. Uh, I, I I think I'll, I'll come in at the end. <laughs> I think Barry forgets, maybe. Uh, <laughs> so... So maybe I'll start. So I met Barry like very shortly after moving to Vancouver in 2008. I came out here to do my general medicine fellowship. And Barry was my one of my first sort of ambulatory clinic supervisors. And Barry was kind and uh, collegial as he's always been. And he sort of took me under his wing right away. And he's been my clinical mentor ever since then. Barry and I were in clinic one day in like the summer of 2008 and a young man came in with fevers and weight loss and swollen lymph nodes and I was kind of lost and I wanted I wanted to excise a lymph node and figure out what was going on. I wanted to be aggressive and go after tissue and and I sort of pour over the case in Barry's office and then he walks into the room and takes a look at the patient and he says, hey, uh, you have a cat? And the patient says, yeah. He says, uh, cat scratch you lately? And the guy says yes, and the guy had cat scratch disease, and that, <laughs> and that was that. And then I, uh, I, I've been bowing at the foot of the master ever since. Well, you that's know, that's very why. Kind. That's why that wasn't a case on this show because it was too short. <laughs> it was a great case that you solved too quick. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great. It was a great case to me because I was an idiot, and I'm still an idiot. But uh, now I just talk more. And Danny, we met when you uh, started your residency, right? What year was that? Right. That was, I believe, I started in 2013. Oh, my gosh. 2013. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so? Yeah, so you were one of my supervisors, uh, or you were the staff on the CTU team during one of my early R1 CTUs, during which I was probably a skittish, frightened <laughs> deer in the headlights resident. And uh, years later, I'm a skittish... <laughs> and- <laughs> <laughs> during the headlight staff. But that was a really important um, rotation for me. Uh, I think that you were you were just a very different staff than I'd worked with before. I think your approach was very practical and, and kind of kept the patient at the center of how we were going to approach the workup. And I think I came from a training program that 
while it was great in its own way, you know, you talked a lot less to the patient um, and paid a lot less attention to the the social history and context. And so I think it was just a very different rotation for me. And um, I think we got along well, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I liked I, you from the start. You were you were into it and you, you know, I, I always tell people like you can't teach a resident to care. You can't teach a resident to take ownership over what over their work. But you were that way right out of the gate. And um, yeah, and then we, we were sort of friendly right there. And then I think we got closer when you became chief. Yeah, that's right. And so <laughs> about becoming chief, I actually, when I applied, I had literally no expectation of getting it, but but I did get it. And um, Barry called me randomly. Barry Not and I so had randomly. never... Well, sure. Well, we'd we'd never met or spoken before, as I recall. And he called and he was like, hey, how's it going? And I was like, oh, who's who's this? And you're like, it's Barry. And I was like, I don't know a Barry. (laughs) (laughs) And that was the the first conversation we ever had. And and you were calling to to say hi and congratulate me. And uh, you and I worked together for for that six months. And um, it was really great. So I can just say that about both of you and Nikki, that I've been blessed uh, throughout my personal life and my professional life to have the opportunity to to uh, to bump into people because a lot of times it's not directed; it's just it just is. And the three of you are examples of wonderful relationships and uh, productive relationships for for all of us. And and I think that I don't know how it happens; it just does. And and usually a relationship is more than just a professional relationship. It's it's a personal. And it, people say that what's nothing's personal. It's always personal. To me, it's always personal. And I think the personal values that people have and their integrity and how they approach things are the things that attract me to them. And you can learn a profession. You can learn a skill. It's pretty hard to learn values. In. And uh, I think that the thing that I've enjoyed is that we share common values. We may do different things. In fact, for a long time, I didn't know how to do anything with it technically. Uh, so I felt a bit stupid, but I still felt felt that the values were there. And so I've enjoyed the relationships. And I love the fact that we build on that through this uh, podcast, this, uh, this opportunity to actually expand our personal relationships and use banter as a part of uh, clinical problem solving. So I really, I, I, I value this and I really enjoy every episode. Yeah. You know, I, I'll just put in a quick plug here. If, if I can teach anyone anything in any of these shows, uh, this is, I'm about to say the most important thing I've ever said on the show, which is if you're, if you're, I mean, I guess at any stage, but if particularly if you're early career or in training right now, get a mentor. Um, Barry has meant the world to me and, and everyone out there needs a mentor. So go get your, go get yourself a mentor. Let's hear from Nikki. How did you get, uh, how'd you get wrapped up in this? Yeah. This Motley crew. Oh, geez. Um, well, I am not a physician in any way. I ended up meeting Barry through an interview to be an administrative assistant for the Department of Medicine. So I met him at our, that small round table that we used to record at before COVID uh, with, I think there was two or three other people there. Mm-hmm. But yes, yeah, so I ended up getting that role. And then as I commonly do, I insert myself wherever I feel I'm <laughs> most needed and interested. And so he had a project going and I decided that that was something that interested me. And here we are today. So 
it uh, it definitely morphed for me because it started as just something on the side. And now obviously I've made a business, well, not a big business, but a business out of the side of it. So it's definitely changed from something small into something that's actually more permanent for me. So that's really exciting. Well, can I also say that, that Nikki's Nikki as an assistant was wonderful. I mean, it was, I actually learned some things about my practice that I'd never known. Uh, so Nikki educated me nicely in, in a quiet way, but firmly in a directive way. But when then, but when Nikki l- was leaving, I thought, oh shoot, you know, I I've got to start all over again and find an assistant. And Nikki said, well, do you mind if I stay around for this podcast? I'm kind of interested and. Uh, I probably said, hmm, maybe. And I was inside saying, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you played coy. I remember, though, because I, when I first started, Barry's email gave me anxiety. Just the vast amount of emails. And when I <laughs> left, it was so hard because I had done so much work to get that email. And it's color-coded. And it's like <laughs> everything's on, like it's ready to go. And so I remember leaving like a binder of instructions to whoever my replacement was going to be. And and it was such a like I couldn't let go. I was like, do it this way. Don't mess up my work. Like it was it was a big step for me to step out, but you did it. Went I to did. The ambulance. Yeah. I well, I went to police dispatch, which is totally different. So it's nice to keep a little bit of my medical training or the minor medical training that I have here. That's amazing. Can you uh, maybe Danny and Barry walk us through how the podcast was born? Danny, you wanna take a shot? I think I might misremember this, but I, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that kind of around the time that I was chief and handing over to Thomas, we had at least kicked around the idea, but it always seemed a little bit too unwieldy because we were thinking about how do we actually, I think it actually began with thinking about how we were going to record the actual morning report that we were doing and um, morning report kind of always changed form depending on who the chief was. And we were thinking about a way that we could record it and then it would be stored and it would be kind of a, a learning module that people could have. And the idea kind of got kicked around, but w- was ultimately found to be kind of like functionally difficult to to implement. And then as Thomas came in, I think you and him kind of took it from there. And we kind of all stayed in touch about the idea. But but certainly I have to, to say that, you know, certainly all of the legwork and the real, the final like form of it and idea was was you and Thomas actually getting... Um, support from the the foundation and actually putting the show together. And uh, yeah. I was just uh, I was fortunate enough to hitch my wagon to to your star, so to speak. So I I got to kind of hang around. I just stayed around long enough <laughs> to become the host. I don't think so. So so my recollection is first of all, I I think that I, I if we're if we're fessing up here, I think that my the fess up was I I probably misrepresented what podcasts were when we were starting to do this because I'd never heard a podcast <laughs> and I kept calling it something different and you and others nicely corrected me. So 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 I I'd like to take the opportunity to say that I, I had no special understanding of what I was doing at the time. But the whole concept was really just brought forward based on the fact that I wanted I wanted to share the opportunity that I've had with Morning Report with the uh, internists of British Columbia who didn't have the opportunity to go to Morning Report. And so we tried to do it in a written format. We tried to do it in, a, in a different ways of even communication at, at conferences. It never actually quite translated, but 
I always thought it would be something that I wanted to share. And the forum, and we did it in a written forum for a year, but the forum that actually worked was, or that eventually was shown to work, was this technology that's allowed uh, us to participate as a group and actually have morning report. So yes, Danny, you were... (laughs) You had great influence in that. Thomas and I experimented with microphones and different things in in the room. Didn't work very well, but and we arrived at this. And Stefan was always Stefan was like he was the podcaster from hell. I mean, he knew he had he was listening to podcasts before I could spell podcast and even understood it. And he's the one that was enthusiastic about the concept of both the morning report and the podcast. And I think that's kind of how we slipped into it because to say this was by design would be to misrepresent it entirely. I think Steph and I also, um, part of our, our bonding was over uh, podcasts. Uh, Steph, can you, <laughs> maybe that's a segue into talking about uh, our favorite podcasts. You know, the, the other thing I was going to just sort of tag along with with what Barry was talking about was why we even do this to begin with. So so why do we have a podcast? I mean, I think I think as you're describing Barry, what we were what I've always felt, so I came from a place, I came from a different training program that didn't have morning report. And when I arrived at at St. Paul's in 2008, I was struck by the magic that was happening at morning report at St. Paul's. You know, I'd see I'd see these like seasoned clinicians chew through a difficult case, have interesting insights, have different perspectives, debate, argue, and always with collegiality and, and respect. And I was so impressed at the quality of the dialogue. And and I've always felt like the best educational thing that St. Paul's offers is the morning report. And there did feel like like there was this opportunity wasted to to share it with others. And so I think that's that is really the genesis of why we decided to to start it. I guess my question for you guys is, is why do we keep doing it? Now, well, Danny, now I'm really interested in your yeah. answer. I mean, now it's the fame. Now it's, now it's the fame and the money, I think. The money. Yeah. All that money. <laughs> the fame and the um, money. <laughs> sorry, you know, I, I'm, 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 I'm joking, um, I, but I do, I do, I mean, I guess everyone knows we're joking here, but no one here has ever, like, like the, the hosts have never made a cent off this podcast and we never will. I just, I, sometimes it's hard, I think, for people to tell when I'm joking, but yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and we couldn't possibly even if, if we tried. No. Um, yeah. I, I think, I think we keep doing it because I think we like, we actually like doing, you know, trying to take a stab at these hard cases and it, it's humbling. And I think that's important. And I think that we get a lot out of that for ourselves. And um, I think we like, to continue to talk to like the other people in the department. So it's fun to bring other people in to present cases and stay in touch. So I think those are the things that that I still really like. And and that kind of keeps us coming back. Barry? Well, you know, I actually, I was thinking about this too, because I talked to Danny yesterday and I was thinking about why we do it. There's lots of reasons I can think of why we do it. I mean, I enjoy your company. I enjoy the process. I enjoy a variety of things about it. But I, to me, when I was thinking about why do we do this, I think we do this, my feeling. I think we do this because I think this reflects our own practices. I think that this reflects how we accept the challenge in our practice to try and be a solution in an organized and a formalized way that uses evidence and uses the skills that we try to promote and uses time and uses energy and uses colleagues to try and solve the problem. And I think that each of us in our practices 
and I certainly know Steph's challenging practice uh, when he goes to other parts of the province and he and Danny's uh, practice uh, when he has specialized referrals in vasculitis, my own practice, it, it, I think it really speaks to, I think we could probably sit and talk to each other about patients we have and challenges that we have probably for hours. Someone would have to interrupt us to stop. So I, I, I just, I think we keep doing this because it, it continues to educate us about how we each other thinks, but how how we and and I pick up information and specific uh, techniques about and 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 just technology and, and not just the technology of recording but the technology of medicine and the the different approaches through our conversations and and I love it that's why I continue to do it I think we would probably have these conversations about similar patients anyways mm-hmm. and yeah. it kind of felt like well we might as well record it because maybe there's a pearl here and there, like we're not experts on anything, uh, on on everything, I mean. Um, but but I think maybe we have something to say about a few things here and there that other people might might learn from. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with all of the above. I think I do it because I like you, you know, I, I like hanging out with you. I do it because, you know, like Danny, like I have a pretty good handle on all the podcasts that are out there in the world. In particular, I searched for a long time for a good medical podcast. And and I don't think anyone else is doing this, you know. Um, there's a lot of amazing medical post- podcasts out there. But a lot of them, they, they're, um, they're either sort of lectures that you're listening to or all the cases that are presented are wrapped up in a neat little bow. And maybe they don't get down into the complexity or messiness of, a, of working through a real case. And so yeah, I think I'm, I'm offering something different. We're offering something different, something that's pretty authentic and that's a little messy. And, uh, and I'm hoping that we're showing other people that it's okay. You know, it's okay not to know. Um, it's not okay to give up, but it is okay not to know. And that this is what it sounds like when you don't know. And when you're sort of chewing, chewing on a tough case with friends. And we just keep hammering home that message of not knowing <laughs> and like how little we know. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think our, our colleague Jake Onrod uh, says it the best that I've ever heard. And it's not important to be right. It's important to do the right thing. Yeah. And I think that that's really, I think that all of us are trying to do that. And, and uh, since we love what we do and since we're trying to continue to do it, it's, this is a, a natural form. I mean, to uh, get together and do it. I mean, people get together and I suppose bet on hockey games or do other things, but this is what we do. We can do that too. Yeah, I suppose <laughs> we could. <laughs> if that was an invitation, uh, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you a question, Danny? Um, what do you? How did how did you get into podcasts? What do you like about listening to podcasts? Which ones are your favorites? Um, well, I have a pretty elaborate podcast diet at this point. Um, I started to listen to podcasts. I think it started when I moved out here, and um, I just lived in a nice neighborhood out here, so I'd just go for a lot of walks. And it felt like, well, that time's kind of w- wasted if I'm not uh, listening to like something or other. And so I kind of started listening to podcasts when I moved out here for residency. And now I'm just like flipping through, like how many do I listen to in a given day? It's got to be like 10 different ones a day-ish, maybe wow. maybe like eight, seven maybe. But like, I think it's kind of, it's it's certainly migrated around now that the diet is a lot of like in the morning, um, some politics podcasts and, you know, the daily from the New York Times and 
in the afternoon, some journalism, you know, uh, podcasts and maybe a little uh, comedy podcasts. And uh, at night, a little radio lab, a little reply all, which you and I specifically uh, um, talked about kind of early on in my uh, in my residency. You actually might have directed me to that one too. So I, I don't know, like, it's just kind of it's moved around since I started. But uh, I think it's a pretty, I just kind of love the medium. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think I've started to get a flavor for what kind of shows I like. And and we've talked about this before that a lot of the shows that we like, like it certainly requires good content, but um, what kind of keeps you coming back is is the hosts and the relationship between the hosts. And I think that, that when that's genuine, that always comes through. And so I think that's kind of the through line between the different podcasts I end up listening to. Yeah. Barry, do you listen to any? I do, but, but I want to say that if this is pre-podcast era, but I'll, I'll tell you, D- Danny's talking about walking and deliberately listening to different types. I had a specific, it would be, it would be a podcast now, but it's, it was, I'd say pre-podcast era, but I used to drive around the city because I was only able to get reception in certain areas. And that, and, and that was a show on NPR called Car Talk. Mm. And I, and I was hooked on Car Talk which would be the best podcast ever now. Two guys from Boston, two brothers uh, who ran a garage, who entertained questions about car problems from listeners who would phone in. And they, with their humor, their banter, their Boston accent, or maybe New Jersey accent, and their their content, entertained me. I look forward every Saturday to that. So I recognize you asked about podcasts, but that's that to me represents the type of thing I like to listen to. And I think it would be a podcast if they were doing it today. Okay, so little update. It is a podcast. Um, oh. <laughs> one of the most famous it's, podcasts there is. Yeah. It's, oh, okay. um, there you it, are. It, it's in syndication now. One of the brothers uh, developed a sort of rapid onset early dementia and died a few years ago um but the episodes are all up there to listen to they're amazing and and that was one of the first podcasts that i really got into as well and in fact i think it's so good for medical trainees to listen to because when i have someone when i'm observing a a junior trainee that has a hard time taking a history in terms of like starting with open-ended questions and being patient-centered to me these two guys click and clack they were so good at opening with a good broad question, shutting their mouth, listening, and then using the new information to inform new and specific and sequentially more specific questions until they would come to a a diagnosis. And so I I think this is like must listen material for all medical trainees, car talk. I agree with you, Barry. It's one of my favorites. I'm sorry Um, for the, I've just, I've just, I've I've just been the illustration of what I've said indicates my technology savvy and there it is. So I, I'm pre, I'm not, I'm, I'm way out. Yeah, that's okay, Barry. Um, <laughs> you know, I so I, I came into uh, listening to podcasts through a pretty big podcast in like 20, I want to say it was like 2011, 2012 called Serial. Um, oh, yeah. And that was like my introduction to podcasting. I had just had my first 
child and I spent a lot of time walking around with a baby on me, carrying a baby around. And I listened to like that whole first season in like a couple of nights and then sort of more and more. And then I got into more and more podcasts and, and sort of as you're both describing the ones that I gravitate to, the content is obviously really important, but I, I do tend to gravitate to people who are authentic and also people who have relationships that you get to sort of listen to and, and be part of and watch unfold. I, I, I don't want to sort of provide an exhaustive list. Although if people want to get in touch, I'm happy to recommend podcasts of, of all stripes. But there's a podcast that's actually produced locally called Behind the Stethoscope. It's done by uh, Gerald DeRosa over at Royal Columbian and some of his friends and colleagues. And it's kind of a more wellness, career planning oriented podcast that I think is is worth people listening to. Um, if you want a specific recommendation about personal finance podcasts, definitely let me know. Uh, yeah, I guess whatever. I have a whole bunch. I even have podcasts that I will go to sleep to. There's a, an amazing podcast called Nothing Much Happens, where a woman who's got a very soothing voice reads a very boring story and the story lasts maybe 10 or 15 minutes and then she reads it again even more slowly and i've i have never made it wow. to the second turnaround it is <laughs> it is such an amazing podcast there's a new one danny that, that you would like um it's called smartless it, have you heard of that one? no it's um with jason bateman and sean hayes and will arnett Oh my and god! They're I all, love Jason Bateman. Yeah, and they're they're all friends, and they one of them each week brings on a guest that the other two aren't aware of, like they don't know who it's going to be, <laughs> and then they and then they interview this person, and they've had like unbelievable guests on, just like super <laughs> famous and interesting people, and um, so yeah, Smartless is I think it, that's my new sort of uh, go to. Hey, do you think we should do that with this podcast? Bring on just like all the celebrities that we know. Yeah, all the celebrities. Jake Onrod is the most famous person that's been on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, he, he's already been on the podcast. <laughs> I think okay. I have some connections to Behind the Stethoscope. Might, yeah. Might know a few people. Okay, okay. Yeah. Is that yeah. right? Nick, he's okay. producing it. Is that right? Yeah. I didn't know that. That's incredible. Yeah. Oh. That's, that's, that's one of my clients. Oh, so when you're unavailable, I know what you're doing. <laughs> I'm always available. That's the problem. Yeah, that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Um, can I ask sort of a self-serving question? And then we're going to get to the listener mail. You know, I think I, we, we've we brought on mostly friends and colleagues to present cases, and we're going to keep doing that. But I, I think we're all open to the idea of, of casting a little bit broader net. What do you think, Barry and, and um, Danny, makes a good case for the show? I think that has changed over time. So I think like anyone who listens to the earlier episodes where like I presented some of those and some of them were extremely elaborate and lots of fine detail about the lab values and the the imaging results. And I think that those cases, generally speaking, went okay. But I, I think sometimes because it's a you know, it's a podcast <laughs> and you can't look at a big chart of uh, labs. I think generally speaking, the cases that that I've enjoyed the most don't rely quite so heavily on just like the really deep detail of the labs, but more on, you know, history and physical exams and things that people can kind of keep in their head or, uh, you know, you can kind of at least if it is, you know, elaborate labs, at least you can paint a bit of a picture for a listener um, in, in their head. I think it's always nice to have conclusions to cases, but I, I actually don't think that that's necessary for a case to be a good case. I think bringing it to some kind of conclusion, though, is important. So not that it's the perfect solution, but that this is this is where it's at. And 
this is as best as anyone can tell, having really worked through the case um, and really chewed through those details. This is what we think the diagnosis is, and this is how we're going to treat it. I think it has to have some kind of conclusion to it, or or at least wrap up. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Barry? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I support what you're saying. I, I think the thing that really attracts me about cases is how we arrive at the decisions we arrive at. And it's to me, it's really to be explicit about how we make those decisions. And and if it's if it's on I've seen this before, but I don't really know a lot about it. If it's evidence, what is the evidence that we're using? If it's if it's guidelines, if it's and for a variety of things. And I think some of the most interesting uh, challenges I find are those immediate responses that I feel that I question myself on. So someone says, you know, you have a pulmonary embolus. What should we do? And the immediate response is well, anticoagulate. And then you get into the nuances of the patient that has this problem and the decisions you're making to decide on how you would anticoagulate, if you would anticoagulate, what would you use, what would, how would you do. That type of depth in a simple, seemingly straightforward issue attracts me. And that's a good case for me. Yeah. I think I agree with all the above. I, you know, I, I don't think the cases have to have a conclusion, but I think they do have to have a point, you know, like we just, yes, we just totally. did a case, uh, you know, Thomas's recent case. The, the <laughs> point the point of that case for me, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I'll never see that clinical entity again, but the point of it was to remind me that there's genetic syndromes out there and that probably, you know, we don't interview or meet people with their family members enough. We don't ask probably detailed enough family histories. We don't consider genetic syndromes often enough. You know, I think we had Persia on recently and and our understanding of allergic or immunologic diseases is probably not deep enough. So, you know, I, I would like us to to be representing a, a good enough breadth of internal medicine. I think that's important. And and whether the issue with the case is about diagnosis or management or whatever, I, I think it's kind of secondary. The case should be interesting and, and challenging and doesn't necessarily need to have a conclusion, but there has to be a reason to present it, you know? So Yeah, totally. But I, I would love to hear from a broader group of people, you know, people out there. If you're listening and, and you have a cool case, we can figure out how to get you on the show. We just, we want to, um, yeah, we want to hear a good breadth of of internal medicine. And we're, I think the other thing is that you can stumble along with us to try and solve the problems because uh, recognizing that it's the processes that we try to establish, not really the answers that we come with. Mm -hmm. All right. If we're good, I was hoping to get onto the listener mail. We've been sort of building up mail recently. Um, you know, we've actually had a few people reach out to us and tell us that they've been listening to the show and that they really like the show. And I got to say, that's very encouraging. And up until recently, we'd had very little correspondence with listeners and people are reaching out by email and, and it's like, it feels great. So I, I do want to say thank you for that. But we've also had some questions and follow-up questions about our cases. So maybe we can do some of those. Totally. That sounds great. Yeah. So basically just the two that we want to cover here. The first question is from our very first season, very first episode. So that's 2017. So Danny's going to have to think back here a little bit. But uh, to refresh his memory, this was a 34-year-old woman from Japanese descent. She presented with shortness of breath, PND, and a rash over her right forehead. The topic of this one was mostly given that she was treated on and off with antibiotics, 
Um, the group was considering biopsy for possible malignancy. But with the conversation, it was addressing how aggressive to be with treatments in order to obtain a diagnosis. So the question here was if there was obviously any updates. And the listener had asked whether or not the radiologist commented whether it had the appearance of myo... Danny's going to step in here. No problem. Yeah. So, <laughs> as I recall, the the listener was wondering if uh, this could be in keeping with Moya Moya, and and so this was a really a really tough case of of someone who was ultimately definitively diagnosed with sarcoid, but also had really elaborate what looked like it could be atherosclerotic versus vasculitic versus vasculopathic changes in the brain and, and elsewhere. And so, so the question about whether or not it looked like Moya Moya was a, is a very good one. And it, it did not look like Moya Moya um, when we reviewed it with uh, NeuroRads. So that question actually specifically came up and, and they said, this really does not have the radiographic features of that. Um, additionally, it had kind of like similar vascular features inside the brain were seen outside the brain. And Moya Moya, as I understand it, is really does apply to, to the vasculature inside the brain. So so I'd say, I think to that particular part of the question, no, it wasn't Moya Moya. Um, in terms of updates, I did try and contact the patient to um, to update uh, the clinical status for this podcast. As uh, listeners may recall, we actually did do a show where we actually just interviewed her on her, her experience moving through the medical system. And we had kind of an interval update at that point. So unfortunately, I can't give the update on how she's doing now. But um, if I'm if I can get in touch with her down the road, I, I will absolutely update listeners on how she's doing. That's good. And then the only other one that recently came in that we hadn't already addressed. So just a disclaimer, if you had posted a question on the website or reached out, we generally do send out responses. It's kind of something that I take as a priority because we do want to hear from listeners and we want to encourage that conversation. Um, This one I had left because it was an interesting, it was more of a statement, but she was talking about one of our most recent episodes. And that was the one that Katrina had presented called Trekking On Through. Um, And so it was a female presenting with bilateral rash, progressive swelling and abdominal pain. And so this listener who just she sounds lovely, but she was very, very complimentary of the podcast. But she, um, as a patient, was able to um, recognize and was wondering if that with this episode, if anyone was familiar with mast cell diseases such as indolent, indolent. There we go. Systematic mastocytosis or mast cell activation syndrome. So she was saying that there's a lot of speculation amongst doctors treating mast cell patients that IBD is really just a manifestation of mast cell disease in the end. Um, And so I was just wondering what you guys, if you had any commentary on this or if you had any sort of response to her thought process here. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna just jump in with a totally banal statement, but I, I didn't realize non medical people were listening to the podcast, and I am fascinated <laughs> by that. I actually, you know, after we got that email, I was mentioning I, I play poker with some people online once a week, and one of my neighbors told me he was listening to the podcast, and he's like a computer programmer. <laughs> so, so I mean, I, I have to say I'm a little bit fascinated. So to yeah. all the non medical listeners out there. Good on you, my lord! Like your questions are definitely welcome. I, I, I am, I'm fascinated, and I, I love that non medical people are are listening. 
Yeah, I wonder, like, I, thinking about it, like, I wonder what I would take away from this podcast if I kind of had a maybe a passing knowledge of the language, but but like wasn't really in the biz. I don't know what I'd get, <laughs> I don't know what I'd get out of it, but yeah. I'm really happy people are listening. That's very very cool. Yeah, um, I yeah. did read the article that um, so so this um, this listener actually um, sent along an an article, and it's a really it's a really fascinating article. Um, maybe we can actually post it in our show notes or on the website. I think to like the question about like our familiarity with like mast cell disease or systemic mastocytosis. Uh, it, you know, you guys are good general internists and I'm a bad general internist. And, and so maybe you guys have like a very different slant and, and experience with, with these diseases. I have to say, like, I, I honestly see them so rarely or perhaps miss the diagnosis often enough that my content knowledge around them is, is probably more superficial than even this, like than this patient's, like she is probably more expert in her disease than I am. Um, and I, but I do get some consults for this. And every time I do have to kind of hit the books and try and remind myself about the phenotypes and diagnostics and, and treatment algorithms, and, and also remind myself that if I'm not the right specialist to see it, then I should find out who is and, uh, and get them there. But um, wh- what do you guys think? Yeah, I think the, uh, the, the difficulty is that in terminology, it's that we use systemic mastocytosis as a disease of mast cells. And mast cell syndrome has mast cells involved, but it has a different concept. And I think it's, it's these cells displaying different phenotypic properties that, that are recognized, and, uh, but don't have the pathologic categorization of that formal aspect of uh, localized uh, uh, mastocytosis, systemic mastocytosis, mastocyte leukemia, I mean, those sorts of things. So I think there's, it's really functional aspects of the mast cell that cause the syndrome. And I think my understanding is not much greater than I've just said. So I find that, that if you have the syndrome, you're probably more educated in that than most of the physicians you'll see that you're asking about the syndrome. Yeah. You know, I, I, I did a, an undergrad in microbiology and immunology, and I basically spent, uh, you know, an undergrad learning to appreciate how complex the immune system is. But I, I think it's one of these weird black box areas in medicine. We just don't, we don't have a good grip on it. And there's a whole grab bag of other diagnoses that, that may end up, you know, 20 years from now being confirmed as autoimmune or, or even infectious or, or whatever. So, you know, we, we give people this label of, of irritable bowel syndrome, and we don't really know what that is and what's going on there. And even, you know, what, what is the genesis of inflammatory bowel disease? We don't know that either. The immune system is a complete uh, mystery, I think, to, to many of us. So, mm-hmm. so for a patient like that, you know, again, at some point, I think it would be reasonable for her to be to be uh, assessed by an immunologist. I've, I've embarked on some of these mastocytosis workups myself, usually in someone presenting with recurrent anaphylaxis. And and I've, I've actually found the workup unfruitful, but then eventually sent the patient off to an immunologist. So yeah, that's kind of been my approach. I'd like to just, uh, before we close, bring up the concept of things we all know. And the things we all know, and just because it arises from this, are those things that are pretty obvious to us. We talk about rotator cuff syndrome. We talk about tennis elbow. We talk about a variety of things as if we know these things. Actually, not sure what we know about them, but we see the, we see the, the phenotype. Radiologically, we look at plain x-rays, and it's a really common finding in the elderly 
or as you get older, to, to hear the concept of degenerative disc disease. I don't think anybody in medicine spends any length of time in medicine without hearing that. Whatever discipline you have, you and, and probably most of the lay public knows that degenerative disc disease is a feature of the elderly. Recently, there's an article that's come out that's talking about degenerative disc disease as an infection. And I this blew me away. And in, it's an infection with the organisms that cause acne. And there's some evidence at this point, some articles being written, that treating degenerative disc disease, this is going to be heresy, with antibiotics for a prolonged length of time may improve the degenerative disc disease. And I only say this not, not to be smart, not to be because this is new information, but the concept has couldn't be more foreign <laughs> to me. It couldn't have been more foreign. You couldn't have said, we, it's like describing a village that that with walls that are like this that really aren't walls. I mean, they're they're just. I mean, it just that. And and so with mastocytosis, with mast cell syndromes, with all of these things, those things that we think we have a handle on, we know right now these are the absolute truth. They have no basis in truth at all. It's just what we're what we're seeing, but not why it's there. So for the listener that's asked a question, I think it's an excellent question. Mm-hmm. I think that listener also alluded to to the thought that um and and Nikki correct me if I'm wrong but I think she had also asked if we would consider having a patient come on and present their their own story and that's been something that we've kicked around uh, a lot before and it'll it'll still be something that we kick around we want to make sure that the cases are kind of presentable and digestible and um I think that we have to find the right patient with the right story for that um, but that's that's still on our mind. So we appreciate the, the suggestion there as well. Yeah. She brought up a really good point when she suggested that too, is that she considers herself like an important part of her own care team. So the physicians are the experts and they do all the diagnosing, but her herself, she's the one living with the misbehaving body. So she has the subjective data to kind of help fill in the points. And then together they come up with a treatment plan. So it was a a really good, interesting take hearing it from a patient's perspective, someone who has chronic illness and, you know, that that would actually interest her as a patient listening to a medical podcast, that she would like to hear that. So it was definitely an interesting conversation to to consider in the future for sure. Yeah, I think it would be, you know, a different concept. But at some point I do have this, you know, it's so funny that you brought up car talk, Barry. I I do have this like dream of having a a car talk like podcast where people just call in with like some kind of internal medicine problem and you're just like okay like can you, can you cough for me or, or you know tell me tell me what it, i just i think it would be so obviously from a medical legal standpoint you couldn't imagine a more dangerous setup but but i do i do love the idea of just like talking about medicine for the general public in not in sort of a canned and scripted way but just in like a yeah you know what i want to inform people about how their bodies work and so on so yeah maybe that's maybe that's for uh when i give up my license right uh, and, and yeah. someone calls in and they're like i have degenerative disc disease what should i do and very on antibiotics six months of doxycycline <laughs> you know, right. i i feel better i feel better that like all of my 40 uh, year old back pain is probably just from popping too many pimples as a teenager so i'm you know it's the last time i'm bringing up any information <laughs> like that. if you want to if you want your chronic lyme disease treated go see dr barry kasson at St. Paul <laughs> 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 all right 
Thanks, man. That was, I feel, um, catharsis. That was good to sort of talk about some of these things and to answer some questions. We've been remiss at times. We say things like, oh, we'll put the email in the show notes or whatever. And I think we, at least on a few occasions, haven't done it. So we'll make sure to put our uh, email address in the show notes along with the website. And uh, obviously, uh, we invite ongoing correspondence with the listenership. Does anyone have any last uh, parting comments before we cut? I will just put on air here that our email, if you want to reach out, is foundationmorningreport at gmail.com. And like I said, we, we read them all. So feel free to send them at any point. And if you want to send complimentary emails just to boost our spirits, that's, that is cool too. We read those over and over. Those ones just constantly keep getting sent back and forth. <laughs> Um, and I, I would like to say just in closing that the, I value the relationships on the podcast uh, and in person, but I value Nikki's leadership in the podcast and I want to thank her publicly. Yeah, likewise. Yeah. Thanks, Nikki. Thanks, Nikki. Well, thank you, guys. And thank if you, you have for any... replying to my emails. <laughs> <laughs> if you have any critical feedback, just email uh, behindthestethoscope.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can, you can call Barry's cell phone at uh, <laughs> dot 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 yeah all right thanks everyone uh so we'll meet up again soon for another episode of the uh st paul's hospital morning report podcast talk soon bye. thanks everybody bye